we've been in a, um, in a series over the last several weeks together that we've entitled AKA, also known as. We've been looking at the fact that God wants us to know his name. But not just know his name as call him by his name. God wants us to know his name as experience him by his name. When God revealed himself through different names in the Old Testament, it's because he was trying to show us his character. And so we've been looking at those names so we can learn the character of God. But here's what I want to do today. It's Father's Day. And I want to hit pause on the AKA series. Instead of looking at the names of God, I want to take you over into the New Testament where a title of God shows up over and over and over again. And it's important, I think, that we understand these different titles of God because the titles of God, well, titles God gives us are meant to help us understand how we're, how we're to um, approach our relationship with him. I mean, whether you know it or not, every one of you have an, an approach to God. Every one of us. Like some of you, I don't even believe in God. Well, that's your approach, right? Everyone has an approach to God. Like how do you view your relationship with him? Well, we, if we're not careful, end up with a approach to God. That's not, it's not even, it's not even right. It's just the one we grew up with. It's just the one we were told. I got this, this is how I view God. And, and the, and the danger is you will end up with an improper relationship with God if you have an improper view of God. Does that make sense, everybody? Like, I think today that those who don't have a right relationship with God is because they don't have a right understanding of God. Like, you just don't, you don't see him the right way. Like, you, you don't picture him the right way. You don't understand what the relationship is supposed to be like, and so you have let others influence that relationship. You've let others, you know, give you the details of what that's supposed to look like. And, and here's what happens, everybody. You end up with a wrong relationship with God because you have a wrong view of God. Often in our society, and here's what we're going to go today, what we're talking about. Often in our society, we have a wrong view of God because our view of him has been based in what religion has told us versus what God has told us. We have a view of God based in maybe what, come on, what tradition has told you versus what scripture has told you. Matter of fact, I believe that all view, views of God boil into one or two categories. It's either a religious view or it's a biblical view. It's like a traditional, like religious view of God or it's a biblical, scriptural, proper view of God. And what I want to do today is kind of poke around in your life a little bit and go, how do you really view God? How do you see him? And my goal is that before you leave here today, you see God as he intends to be seen. And you have a relationship with God that he intends for you to have. Is that okay? Now, if you are new to Citizens Church, I need to let you know that if the preaching is bad, that it's not my fault. Okay? I preach way better when you guys are with me. And today, I feel like teaching, preaching, we're going to get in God's Word, and we're going to have a lot of fun. And so when we get into God's Word, and we're having a lot of fun, you're talking to me, you're leaning in, you're saying things like, amen. You're saying things like, that's good. All right. Thank you. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for bringing us into it. 
God, I just want to ask that right now by your spirit, you'd anoint me to preach your word. That God, all this that I've studied and prepared for, for this weekend, for this moment right now, God, would come alive. That God, you by your spirit would breathe upon it. And God, that your people right now, all of us, would lean in to hear what it is that God, you desire to say to us. None of us are here on accident. God, we're not listening online on accident. We're not sitting in this moment on accident. Father, you desire to speak to us. And so God, help us to hear your voice this morning. God, what it is you want to say to us. And so Father, we commit this time to you. Speak to our hearts. There's expectation in our hearts right now. You've got something to tell us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone agreed together and said a good hearty. Come on, amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Dustin. So everybody, here, here's the question I want you to right now in your heart answer. What's your view of God? Come on, what do you think of when you think of God? How do you see God? And hopefully the series we've been at, AKA, you've been learning the different names of God, helping to shape your view of God. But I want to show you a title of God. Like, God wants us to understand how we're supposed to see him and see ourselves. And so he gave himself in the New Testament these, these titles. They were like illustrations of what it's supposed to look like in our relationship with him. So one of those titles, for example, is that God is our shepherd, okay? Which means that if you see God as a shepherd, you're just supposed to see yourself as a, exactly, a sheep. And I don't know how that makes you feel. You know, sheep are the dumbest animals on the planet. And uh, God goes, that's, but here's what they also are, is, is that sheep are, sheep are, they have to be wildly dependent on the shepherd. Sheep are, their job, they only have one job in life. You know, the one job of a, of, a, of a sheep is, like if you're a sheep, your job is just to follow that guy. It's not that difficult. You just follow that guy. I think sometimes we make life way too complicated. Do you know what life is supposed to look like? Just, just follow that guy. Just follow the shepherd, right? And so God gives you this illustration. He's like, I want you to understand what this is like. I'm your shepherd, and I'm here to take care of you, the sheep. Your job, just stay close to me. Don't wander off. And if you wander off, he will leave the 99 to go find you. Amen? Some of you, you've wandered. You're, you're, you come in here today and you're wandering in your heart. And I'm telling you, God is going to use this service right now to come after you because he's a good shepherd and he loves you. You know that a shepherd, a shepherd has sheep because he paid for the sheep. They, would, they often would pay great prices to, to bring sheep in. And Jesus is so in love with you that he gave his life to bring you into his sheepfold. Amen? And so it's just this illustration. It's a picture. So I don't know how you've pictured God. But God says this is the picture you're supposed to have. It's a shepherd with his sheep. But do you know one of God's favorite pictures that he gives us in the New Testament of how we are to see our relationship with him? It's the picture of... Father's Day, right? A father and his children. It's one of God's favorite pictures that he uses all over scripture. Let me show it to you in Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 and 29. If you have your Bibles, Galatians 3, 26 and 29 says this. So in Christ Jesus. Someone say in Christ. So in Christ Jesus, you are children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ and have, been cl- and have clothed yourselves with Christ. In Christ Jesus, you are his child. In Christ Jesus, he is your father. So I, we need to talk about up front this whole in Christ. Because he says, in Christ, you are children. Well, what does it mean to be in Christ? 
When you're in Christ, basically all it means is that you've surrendered your life to Jesus. It means that you are not trusting in or leaning upon your work to try to get you into heaven or try to get you right with the guy upstairs or however you see it. You are trusting in what Jesus has done for you on the cross, the finished work of Jesus, like on the cross you said, it is what? Finished, what's finished? The work that is necessary for us to be forgiven, the work that is necessary for us to be anchored in heaven. Jesus said, it's been finished on the cross. Is that good news, everybody? Amen? When you receive that and you say yes to Jesus, you are now not in yourself, you are now in Christ Jesus, right? When you are in Christ, here's how God sees you. You're my child. You're my child. I'm your father, God would say, and you are my child. Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 16 say this, that the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by that spirit, watch, if you've got the spirit of God on the inside, if you've, been, if you've given your life to Jesus, here's what he says happened. By that spirit, we cry something in us just says, Abba, Father. We call him Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Hey, I want to remind you today that the Bible says you are his child. You are his children. Some of us have never fully embraced that. We, we've never fully understood that. We're still stuck holding on to what religion has told you you are. You're still stuck holding on to what tradition has told you you are. But when you listen to religion and you re-listen to tradition, what you end up with is, is slavery. If you listen to what religion tells you about your relationship with God, you see everything as a bunch of rules and regulations and restrictions and do's and don'ts and how dare you and I can't believe. And, and you picture God through that lens. You are a slave. But according to Scripture, God's heart for you, you're not a slave. You're a child. You're not a slave. You're a son. You're not a slave. You're a daughter. You're adopted in. And as a father now, I am not a slave. I'm a child of the Most High God. And friends, that changes everything. That changes everything. And I want to ask you today to let that truth, come on, let it change everything about your relationship with God. I want you looking back at that Sunday, Father's Day, 2022, where you let the revelation of God as your father, come on, change everything about your relationship with him, begin to produce some maturity inside of you and bring you into a greater intimacy with God that maybe you've never experienced before in your life. I'm praying that this day is a day where you let some stuff that you've hidden from God, your father, come out into light where he could actually begin to heal the things you've been trying to hide from your father. That today would be a day that would change some things for you because you've come to understand I'm not a slave. I'm a child of the most high God. Listen, how do you see him today? How do you see him today? When he's your father, it changes everything. Let me give you a couple things that it changes. And I want to encourage you in this, all right? 
Can I do that? A couple things that changes when you see God, when you see God as your father. So one of the things is when, when you see yourself as a child, you see him as a father, you see him as a father instead of a master, okay? Some, some of you come in here today, I'm telling you, you're stuck in this. God is your, he's your master. And, and it's like this, your relationship with God is not based on a child to a father, it's a, it's a slave to a, a master. And when you picture master, come on, somebody like, like God, he's just always mad at me. Like some of you have grown up that way your whole life. Like you think about God, you think about he's angry. I don't even know what I did wrong, but he's angry. I'm sure I did something wrong. And you picture God always mad at you. He's demanding something from you. And so you kind of approach God. You're like, you're trembling when you come around God. You're always kind of scared. You, you live in fear. Always. And some of you are living under that. God's just barking out orders. And so you lived your whole life kind of, you're, you're running from God. And like, no kidding. Like you, you picture God's got like a, he's got like a wooden spoon and he's chasing you down. Like, you know what I mean? Like God has opened the drawer in heaven and he's hunting me down right now. And so you've spent your whole life running. Listen, you're going to spend your whole life running if you have the wrong view of God. God is not trying to hunt you down with a wooden spoon to, to uh, you know, teach you a lesson. God is trying to hunt you down and bring you home. Amen? He's your, he's your father. So a master relationship looks completely different than a, than a son-to-father relationship or child-to-father relationship. So with a father, there's not fear and intimidation and all this. With a, with a father, and there's, you run in. You run in, you run in with open arms. You, with a father, there's, there's laughing. With a father, there's joy. With a father, there's, now listen, I get it. Not every human father-child relationship is healthy. But you cannot let your earthly, broken relationship mar or distort the heavenly, perfect relationship that your father actually does want to have with you. Come on, let, let God paint the picture of what father is supposed to look like. Father, father loves you no matter what. what. A, a father, you, you run in and there's, there's, there's embracing and there's joy and there's, there's laughter and there's, there's freedom and there's like, you can just be yourself like it, with, with, with your father. Things look completely different than it does with, with the master. So with the master, everything's scary, right? Like, remember like Wizard of Oz? Like some of you, you picture God as like, like the man behind the curtain. Do not look past her. And you're like, oh, God, I just was wondering if maybe. You picture your whole relationship with God like this whole big scary thing. And you're afraid to approach God. But now watch. You're his child. You're his child. And what does Hebrews 4.16 say? It says, let us come therefore boldly into his throne of grace. How, do I, how can I approach God's room? He says, you come in boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time and need. You know, when my kids come to me, I'll have my office door closed. They don't care. They do not care. Dad, guess what? What? Now, I am an imperfect father, and sometimes I might say, what in the world are you thinking, Elias? My goodness, buddy. Yes, go wash my car. Okay, no. But your heavenly father, I mean, it's just, there's that freedom. He says we come boldly into his throne. And my kids know that. They can come to me at any time, call me for anything they need at any moment. And usually what they need is money. Come on, somebody, amen. All right. 
God says, it's funny, like back in the day, it was a lot easier because you'd used cash and they had to be with you to get the cash. And now they're not, we're not using cash. Like it's like Cadence will text you and say, Dad, can you Apple pay me so I can go to lunch? Are you kidding me, kid child? Don't you have a, ch- a job? Yeah, I have a job, but I spend all my money on gas. Can you just Apple pay me, Dad? I say, ask your mom. And her account is empty now. Thank you, Apple Pay. You can call him Father. You can call him Father. He says, when we are in Christ, the, we are adopted as son, and by which his, his spirit, we call him Abba, Father. You know, the, the word used there in the, in the scripture we read, Abba, it's actually, there's not a really good English translation. The closest thing we have to it is, is a very endearing word for Abba, Father. It's, it means it's daddy. That is the closest word we have. And when Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, do you know how he taught them to pray? He said, pray this way, Abba, Father, or our, our Father, our Abba. Or he says, Jesus literally said, when you come before God, say, Daddy. And I know for some of you, that just feels like a little awkward, and it feels like, are you serious? But God's going, I need you to see me different than what religion has been trying to shove down your throat. See me different than what tradition has been trying to teach you. I need you to see me as who I am. I am a loving father, and you need to let me be your father. Our father, he says, who is in heaven. Thank you for the golf clap, everybody. Come on. He's your father who's in heaven. Abba, father. So a child sees a father, not a master. Here's the other thing. A child, come on, you ready? A child rests in love versus striving for love. Come on. A child rests in the love that's theirs versus striving for a love that they're trying to earn. 1 John 3, 1 says, behold what manner of love the father has given us. Do you know how God thinks about you? Like, what do you think God thinks about when he thinks about you? Do you know what God thinks about when he thinks about you? He thinks about how much he loves you. He says, behold what matter of love the Father has for us, that we should be called the children of God. And then he says this, and so we are. He says, you're not just called a child, you are a child of God. You can never be any more of a child of God than you are right now. And as a child, listen, you could never be any more loved by God than you are right now. Look at me. You are not striving for a love. You are meant as a child to rest in the love that's already yours. Turn to your name and say, it's already yours. Turn. Look at him. Look at him. It's already yours. It's already yours. It's already yours. Hey, tell the people behind you. It's already yours. Oh, you're looking at the back of their heads. It doesn't work. All right, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's already yours. It's already yours. So look at I, I have I have three kids. Where are you guys at? Are you all in here today? I got I got Raya, I love you. Cadence, I love you. Elias, look, I love you. I love you guys. Like I give my anything for you. Listen, these three children were born to me. They're mine. They are my children. They were born unto me. They belong to me. And I love them through and through, period, end of subject. Just as when you're born unto God, you belong to God, and he loves you through and through, end of subject. Now, let me be honest with you. 
are my kids always perfect? Yes, they are, everybody. They are always, your kids might not be always perfect, but my children are always perfect. No, listen, no. My, my kids, I mean, they have just, they've, they're not always perfect. They mess up from time to time. They do things wrong. They, they get themselves in trouble. The pastor's kid, the pastor's kids get themselves in trouble. Hey, listen, the pastor's dad isn't even perfect. I mean, I mean the kid's dad isn't even perfect. My dad for sure is not perfect. Have you met him? My gosh. This is not even close. There's a reason we don't give him a microphone in the church, everybody. Come on. Come on, somebody. But here's what I want you to understand. Do you think that when I get the calls of them having done something wrong, that my love for them is diminished in any way? Do you think that when, 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 when they've made a bad decision, that something inside of me, that my, my love just turns down a little bit? Absolutely not. Even on their worst days, making the worst decisions, my love for them is at its greatest. There's nothing has changed in my love for them. And you guys listen to me, it's the same for you. Please let this sink in. You're his child. You belong to him. And he loves you through and through. There is nothing, listen, you are not striving for love. These kids don't have to strive for it. And it's like I look at him and go, listen, if you want me to really love you, what I need you to do is this, this, and the other thing. And you, if you do all those things, then I might love you. And you get, if you work a little harder, then I might love you. If you don't work hard enough, I'm going to actually kick you out of the family. You're going to be removed from my love. No, it's, it's, it's theirs. It's our, all theirs. No matter, no matter what they've done, they don't have to work for it. The Bible says, behold what manner of love God has given us. It's unmerited. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says this, but God demonstrated his love toward us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So listen, when you're on your worst day, you're yet sinners, like you're out, you're just messing up. It says, he died for you on that day. He gave his life for you. He, he gave his best for you. Why? Because he's in love with you. See, it's called unmerited. Look at it's unmerited favor. It's unmerited love. I love my children. It's unmerited. It's, it's consistent. There's nothing's going to change. Is this sinking? Does that make sense? And you need to realize that God views every single one of you the same way. Like you're not going to shake his love, all right? It's hard for us, I think, to understand unmerited love, isn't it? Because everything on this side of the planet, or most things on this side of the planet, you know, don't work that way. On this side of the planet, like, favor is given to those who deserve it. Favor is given to those who, who've earned it, who've, who've worked for it. Favor is given to those who have, who have um, you know, you know, jumped through the hoops and done all the things you're supposed to do. It's like, like, even Santa Claus works that way, right? Like, when you're a kid, it's like, you want coal? Well, you better straighten up. Like, you live your whole life thinking... I got to do something in order to get favor. And then God shows up in Scripture and goes, no, 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 no. I'm not Santa Claus. I don't just hand out coal. What I do is I, I, I give my life 
and I, I love you relentlessly and endlessly. And it's so hard for us to get that. But that's the heart of God for every single one of us. We don't strive to earn. Look at me. Stop striving to earn. And today, just rest in what already is. He loves you, period. End of subject. Listen, if you are striving, listen. If you are striving, what you're doing in that moment, theologically what's happening, is in that moment when you're striving to earn God's love, or maybe God, when you do that, you're starting to lean more into your work than his finished work on the cross. Look at, you're leaning more into your righteousness. God, look at what I'm doing. Rather than leaning into the righteousness of Jesus that's been imputed to you, that's been given to you when you gave your life to Jesus. Does that make sense? So those who are striving for God's favor and for love are, are actually diminishing, listen, the work of Jesus on the cross. On the cross, Jesus did everything that needed to be done to open up the floodgates of God's love and favor and compassion on every single one of us. Listen, as a child, you are not striving for love. You're resting in love. So a child sees a father, not a master. A child rests in love and doesn't strive for love. Let me give you, let me give you just two more. A, a child connects relationally and not mechanically. Do you know the byproduct of religion is that you connect with God mechanically? It's like you come in and it's like, what's the thing I'm supposed to say and how is it supposed to, right? The, a child doesn't connect with God mechanically. It's a relationship. In, in Luke 11, when Jesus was teaching his, his disciples to pray, he said, pray this way, our Father who is in heaven. So what is Jesus doing? He's saying, when you come before God and you go to talk with God, you need to picture yourself as a child before a father. And a child before a father, listen, is totally accepted, totally loved, totally cared for, totally protected, protected. You are totally known as a child, and therefore, here's the important part, here's where it lands, therefore, because all that is true, I can be totally transparent before God. I could just be myself before God. That's important, because so many of us think that we gotta come before God, and there's this memorized flowery thing that we've gotta bring out. Come on, like when we interact with God. And listen, there's nothing wrong with written out prayers. There's nothing wrong with things that you've memorized. But what if somebody you loved only talked to you by reading like Hallmark cards? You know what I mean? Like every time they talk to you, it's just like another Hallmark card. It's like, that's nice. Thank you. But I don't want your Hallmark card. I, I don't want your memorized script wrote thing. I want, listen, as a father, this doesn't have to be mechanical. What I want is relational. Listen, I want your heart. Like, give me that. Don't, don't, if my children ran into my office and said, uh, uh, excuse me, sir, um, I'd be like, excuse me, call me sir. Don't, can you come in and you go, hey, dad. And, and don't come into my office and start, you know, like with something. I want your heart. I'm going to sit down and look at you guys and go, Hey, what's really going on? How's that make you feel? You frustrated about that? Tell me about that. Let, 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 me, have, let me have this that's, in, that's all up inside of you. Don't, don't hold back. Like, give it all to me. And, and it's the same way with God. 
it's not a mechanical exchange. It's a, it's a relational exchange. You interact with him like that. And when's the last time you've had that kind of conversation with God? When's the last time you just open up your heart before God? It's an invitation just to lay it all out. You know, David in the Psalms prayed that way. He just said, God, here's how I'm feeling. I feel like you need to smite out the teeth of those people who were just talking bad about me, right? And David would pray that way. You're like, how dare you, David? No, David's just going, God, here it is. Here's my whole heart. And when you understand God as your father, come on, it's going to change the way you interact with him. 1 Peter 5, 7 says this, that you're to cast all your anxieties on him. All your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. That means you could run in and go, God, here you go. God, I'm going to hand it all to you. God, I'm going to commit all of this to you. Come on, amen? Here's the last thing I want to look at with you. Is this helpful, everybody? So the last thing we need to understand, when we see ourselves as children, and we understand that he's our father, I need you to forever remember this, is that you always, always, always have a home. Like you always have a home. Our hearts are desperately longing for a place to call home. Our hearts are always looking for that place where we fit in, that place where we belong, that place where we can just be ourselves, where we can be fully loved, where we can be fully accepted, a place that no matter what we've done or where we've gone, we can always come back to. And friends, you need to understand that God as your father says to you this, you always have a home. Always. In the, in the book of Luke, come on church, I know if we're going to do this, we're going to, like, it's important for you to hear. You know, when Jesus was trying to get us to understand this whole father-child dynamic, this relationship that he wants with us, Jesus told a story in the book of Luke chapter 15. It's a story that we've come to call the story of the, of the prodigal son. Now here's what I want you to understand in that story. What God is trying to do, what Jesus in the moment is trying to do, is trying to get you to understand how this relationship works. And so he starts to tell the story, and, and you need to picture it from the, from the, the lens of the hear, hearers at that time, okay? In the crowd, there's all sorts of religious people who, who think that, you know, God only accepts those who've done everything right and they've crossed all the T's and they've dotted all the I's and you've got all those people. And they also have some really broken people. You've got some, you got some tax collectors in there. And in Old Te New Testament, is like tax collecting. That's like the worst thing you can do, you know, tax collecting. And you just have some, just a big old hodgepodge of people hanging out around Jesus and they're viewing this in all these different ways. And Jesus goes and he begins to tell the story. The story tells is of this father who has a son. And this son does something who in the, in, the, in the mind of those listening was absolutely unimaginable. The son goes to the dad and says, dad, and if you want to read the story, please do, Luke 15. He's like, dad, hey, listen, um, when you die, I'm going to get a lot of money. Like a lot of, I, I know I have an inheritance coming to me. And 
here's the deal. You just keep kind of hanging on, and you're not dead yet, and I keep waiting for that day, and, and I'm kind of wondering if we could move things along a little faster, and I'm, I'm wondering if I can get my inheritance now. Listen, everyone in the crowd is like, oh, my gosh. Like, it, you, this, this child is, is, like, his life is messed up. His thinking is messed up. Like, I, how dare he ask for his inheritance early? Because, see, to do that, it's not just like dad goes and let me write you a check. And that day, it's like, well, I've got to sell some cattle. I've got to go and, you know, get rid of some pigs. I've got to go, you know, leverage some land. It's a big deal. Do you understand? And so the child is going, yeah, dad, I don't care. Sell the cattle. Do what you got to do. Get rid of the land. I, I want my inheritance now. The father gives it to him. No, Elias, you will not get your inheritance now. The father gives it to him. Everyone's going, my gosh, like, this can't get any worse. Well, it gets worse. This child's like, thank you, Dad, I'm out. He leaves the home. See, in that day, you, do, you, didn't, you didn't leave and go to a foreign land. You stayed in the area and you continued to help in the family business. But this kid just ditched everything that his life was running toward. The whole momentum and expectation of his life is totally is totally thrown off. And some of you feel like that. There, you feel like the whole expectation and momentum of your life has totally been thrown. That's this guy. He says, Dad, I want my money. And by the way, thank you for my money. I am moving to the big city. And he moves to the big city. Everybody's like, shocked. Like, oh my gosh, it can't get any worse. Well, it gets worse. He gets to the big city. And guess what he starts to do? He starts to blow his money. He's blowing his inheritance. He's like, I'm going to get myself a new car. I get myself one of these fancy new Porsches. They're electric. Oh, my gosh. Zero to 60 in three seconds. Not that I know. But my goodness. He's buying it all. He's got himself a brand new, you know, like, like house. He's, he's, he's got it all. And, and to make it worse, everyone's like, oh, my gosh. He starts partying with all this money. Like he's inviting girls over, he's doing the whole thing, and everyone is just going, oh my goodness, it can't get any worse. This child's life is just messed up. The dad must be so angry, how dare he? It can't get any, but it gets worse. He spends all of his inheritance. And now he's got to go get a job. And the job he gets is in a pigsty, Working with pigs. And if you know anything about the good Jewish boys and girls theory, by they go like, why did it have to be pigs? Of anything, why did it have to be pigs? Can it should be pigs? Like, that's just, like, like demoralizing. And then that child, listen, that child, after doing all that and running to these crazy lengths, and that child says to himself, I think I need to go home. Hey, look, real quick. I think there's some of you in here today, you've woken up in a pigsty. You came here today and you're looking around and you're like, yeah, I haven't been wanting to admit this, but I'm in a little bit of a pigsty. And you're looking around today and you find yourself in a pigsty, but here's the problem is you're not a pig. You're a child. And a child, a child has a home. And child, you, you need to come home. And so this, 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 this child wakes up in the pigsty and he just goes, what am I doing? Uh, I'm going to go home. But, but he tells himself, he goes, as you read in Luke, he says, you know, I don't think my dad is going to receive me as a, as, a, as a son. Maybe, maybe he'll give me a job. 
Maybe I could just be like one of the slaves, right? That's that religious way of thinking. Maybe I'll just, I could just work my way in, and when I show up, I'll, I'll start doing all this stuff, and, and maybe he'll just let me stay close to him and around the house. Maybe he'll just put some food on my table and just kind of help me get by a little bit if I go back. And this child starts preparing his speech. Right in his mind, he's going like, okay, I'm going to go like, hey, dad, listen, I am not, because it literally says in Luke, he says, I'm going to go tell him I'm not worthy to be your son. He's got a whole speech. So he starts moving toward home. And do you know what happens? Book of Luke, chapter 15. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Pause with me, pause with me, pause with me, pause with me. How do you, how did the father see him coming? Can I tell you how he saw him coming? He was out in that field every day looking for his child. He was out there every day standing on the edge of his property, hoping, praying, wishing, waiting for that child to come home. He saw him coming when he was afar off because he's out there looking for him waiting for him. I'm telling you, there are some of you in here today, you're in the pigsty of life. you got a father who's at home looking for you, waiting for you, calling for you. Come on, he's, he's beckoning you to come home. The child's afar off, and his, his father sees him, and watch this, filled with love and compassion. Filled with love and compassion. He comes running to his son. He embraces his son. He kisses his son. Listen, he accepts his son. He brings his son home. He, he says, kill the fattened calf. Let's have a party. Put a ring on the finger. Change his clothes. He's welcomed what? Home. 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 Now, if you have a religious way of viewing God and you don't think Don't see him as your father in the proper view. You've got your little speech prepared. Do you notice the child didn't even get to utter his speech? He wasn't able to go, okay, hang on, Dad. Before you go, I needed to, like, like the father's just like, I don't care about your stupid speech. All I care about is that you're home. Religion is going to say, Okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to do, I'm going to give him a speech. Gonna, and here's the other thing religion is going to do. You're going to see the father running and be like, oh, shoot. Come on. Some of you feel like, Chris, you don't even know what I've done, the places I've gone, the decisions I've made. The... If God's going to run at me, I should probably start running the other way. Can you imagine that child like, oh, boy, here, here he comes. Uh. He's running. But there's something when that child looked up and saw his father, there's something in the face of that father that caused that child to remain there and not, not run back. Because he saw, what it say, love and compassion in the face of that father. And I'm telling you right now, as a child, you always have a home. Always have a home always have a home. No matter how far you've wandered, no matter how far you've gone, friends, you have a home. Even on your worst day, in the midst of your worst failures, after you've had another blow up, 
after you've ran out again, after you fell back into that thing, after you said the things you wish you'd never said or you did the things you wish you'd never done, fill in the blank, give it your worst. You need to understand that even on that day, you are fully loved, fully accepted, fully embraced, fully welcomed. You're adopted into the family. Listen, you are his period end of subject. The whole time that child was gone, the father just couldn't wait for him to come home. Glancing constantly at that horizon. Glancing constantly, hoping someday. The father hadn't even heard the story yet. Hadn't even heard the story. Like, shouldn't he wait? Shouldn't he, like, Dad, shouldn't he just wait and find out what he did? Maybe if you wait and find out what he did, then maybe you wouldn't love him. Matter of fact, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know he had another brother? Because it's really, the story is about two brothers. If, if I was to really teach this, it's about two brothers. So expand this a little bit. And the other brother hears that there's a party going on, right? Do you know this part of the story? There's a party going on. He's like, what the heck? Why are we throwing a party? The dad's like, your son is home. And then the older brother goes, what? I've been with you the whole time. And you haven't, you haven't even, like, killed one of the, slayed one of the pigs to throw a party for me. And that father turns to that son and says, you don't get it. You've been with me the whole time. We've been having this all the time. We, we've been in relationship the whole time. Listen, the older brother and the younger brother, neither of them understood what true fatherhood from God actually is. It's not about love predicated on what you've done or haven't done. It's just love and relationship, endless, ceaseless, constant. You're in the house and I love you. And I've, already, I've already had all this time with you. Your, your brother's been gone and now he's home and we are going to throw a party. And we are going to love on him. Hey, I think God's waiting to throw a party today for some of you. It's time to break off any of the places in your life where religion has got a hold of it and told you that, that you need to see yourself as a, as a slave. And you need, listen, you need to let gospel truth come in and you see yourself as a child. A child sees a father, not a master. Listen, a, a child is relational, not mechanical. A, a child, friends, always always has a plan. A child rests in love and doesn't work for love. In Jesus' name, come on. Amen. Amen.